and welcome to Young and Sober, the podcast where we discuss what it means to get sober under the age of 30 and stay sober. If you're sober, sober curious, or just curious, you've come to the right place. Any discussion heard here is the experience of the individual and should not be taken as the stance of AA as a whole. Welcome to episode 50. I'm Jack, um, along with Alex. Today we'll be doing question time. It's just us together. So how are you doing, Alex? Yeah, I'm all right. I've got a bit of a cold, not corona, says the test. But yeah, I'm feeling a bit ropey, I'm not going to lie. And people are going to have to excuse my potential sniffing. How are you doing? Yeah, I had the same thing a couple of weeks ago and did a couple of tests. And yeah, nothing. So just uh, had no excuse. Just man flu. Thing. I'm like, um, at least I would like an excuse for feeling this rubbish, like a proper one. But, yeah. you know, working with kids, I feel like I catch everything. I think you, you like as well, if if someone sees you ill in public now, like on a train or something, like everyone's <laughs> like there was someone coughing in a coffee shop earlier. And I literally moved. <laughs> oh my God. I literally Abled. got off the bus the other day because I started coughing and I got off the bus to cough and then got back on the next bus because I just felt so guilty, even though I had my mask on and I knew it wasn't Corona. There's like cough shame. Um, anyway, yeah. enough about Corona. Let's start with a kind of a quick fire one. What is your favorite type of fellowship, either after a meeting or like between meetings? That's a good question. Fellowship is basically stuff that we do outside of a meeting to hang out with other alcoholics. And fellowship that I've done has included going for lunch or coffee with people from the fellowship, hanging around after a meeting. We have food after our um, meeting every Monday at my home group. I've been to the Yorkshire Dales for a long weekend and I think I like them all for different reasons so I loved actually just going away on a holiday just very different going away with friends where there's always going to be kind of alcohol around or you know something to do with with drinking usually and just going on a holiday with zero you know pressure or kind of social like I, I don't know like it was yeah just zero pressure to act in a different way than I <laughs> or be someone different for a few days was just super nice and me to just relax into a few days of, of that really quickly you know quicker than I might do if I went away with with friends and then fellowship like after you meet it after my meeting it's not always you know I don't always want to hang around till half nine or nine p.m on, on, on a Monday but actually I always feel brilliant after it and so you know no one's forcing me to stay but actually <laughs> sometimes i when I just want to go home and be in my own head, having structured fellowship, a bit like service, is good to just go and always have a good time and, you know, go away being like, oh, I, I was stupid for thinking that I shouldn't turn up to that. So, yeah, different types of fellowship for, for different reasons, I think. But <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think I do really like hanging out with people before and after the meeting and even just the little bits of like standing outside and having a chat before and after is really nice. And I think the thing about hanging out before and after a meeting is that I find I'm much more likely to meet newcomers. And that's something for me that's really important, just like making them feel comfortable and welcoming them. And like if they've got any questions or whatever, because at my first meeting, somebody like really took me under her wing and like told me about what to expect and what to happen and what was going to happen and like sat next to me. And it was just one of those things that really, really made a difference and kind of made me want to stay. And then I've kind of been on weekends away. And then like, I've got a group of sober like girls that I hang out with and we do like 
dinners and lunches and like go for walks and three of us have got dogs so we hang out with our dogs quite a lot yeah so it's it's nice to have that variety of like hanging out with sober friends that I've known for years like there's a couple that I've known since the very beginning of my sobriety so like almost five years now and then there's meeting newcomers and kind of like getting to know people who were in their early days and like connecting with them and not not just supporting them because that's not all it is like you know you meet people all the time and I think leaning into young people's meetings over the last couple of years has been amazing because it's been really nice to connect with young people and that's not to say that I don't have friends that are that are older because they're great as well but yeah that's been really nice I mean to be honest any kind of fellowship is a vibe I just like all of it to be honest and then I mean just calling people you know on the on a, like a regular basis is really kind of helps me helps me to keep in the zone do you um find it easier first to you know hang around so with other people like like when I turned up today I found it weird that people were kind of like hanging around after and talking to each other and yeah I mean I found it really intimidating and like I also found it really weird that people kept asking for my number and kept like offering me their number I was like what the hell is going on this is really strange because people in normal life don't do that and like I found myself like I was in the park the other day with my dog and this woman and I got chatting and at the end of the conversation I was like oh do you want to take my number like acting as if it was like an AA thing and she looked she like took my number but she looked at me really weirdly and she like hasn't messaged me since whereas in AA like that's pretty standard and after a few meetings you do get used to it and like taking numbers is normal what about you what was it like for you at the beginning? I you say that actually because randomly I was last weekend I was meant to play golf with my friend went to the driving range and then he had to leave and then there's this other random guy who was just overheard our conversation and asked to play. He was like, oh, do you mind if, like, do you just want to play nine holes of, of golf for me? And, and I said, yeah. And then after I was like, like, I didn't, I didn't ask for his number in the end, but because I, I don't know, I just, I should have. And then like, we had a good chat. We chatted all the way around and like, you know, could see myself being friends with him and then just didn't. But like, <laughs> I, there's no... There's no reason not to, but it's just a bit weird outside of outside of AA. You're right. <laughs> yeah, and then I think people also like wonder about your motives. Like I think, yeah, like I I think this woman potentially thought that I was like coming on to her, and yeah, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I definitely wasn't, and I don't know whether she just got a bit of a weird vibe, but you know, I know what my intentions were, and they were fine. So, whatevs. Yeah, yeah. This start, I think. It was definitely weird, but I think I just started like connecting with like how I felt after after it always. And and I, to be honest, yeah, I've been trying to stop smoking recently, which and hanging outside an AA meeting is not a good way to stop to stop smoking. So I have been avoiding that a little bit, but actually, yeah, just stuff like going for food or going for walks and things is how did I feel after that? And it's always good. It's always positive. It's always good. So however, like awkward it might be or you know having talked to new people and newcomers like you said is you know it's just all in your own head and when you're there it might feel a bit awkward but then you get over it and you know you definitely feel good for doing it after so so yeah yeah I think it's also like connecting with what people have shared because obviously in meetings you share back to the speaker but you don't necessarily share back to well you don't at all share back to other people that are sharing so to go up to them and be like oh I really related to what you shared and then to be able to like connect over that is really nice as well so true and I missed that because I was in, went on I started on zoom and I had all this kind of shit going on in my head and I did speak to a few people but like 
I was in lockdown at the same time and I, and I definitely ended up having you know I didn't drink but I you know this but I went ended up in rehab after a few months of my sobriety and it was because I the, the, the biggest thing that I took from the rehab was group therapy which is like talking to others <laughs> talking to other people and that is like the one thing I realized I just hadn't done in the first you know six months of of my sobriety which is the massive bit which is missing and ever since then I've made a bigger effort to you know to make that part of my my journey and, and you know make it habitual rather than just the odd kind of conversation here and there and that I mean that lends itself to another question really well which is will I be able to make friends and what's your experience been of kind of making making friends after sobriety sober friends and not I guess the first thing I'll say is I'm I'm closer to my real like sorry I'm closer to my old friends than I've ever been because I, I've been more there for, like been more there for them I turn up to everything I say I'm going to turn up to I remember their birthdays and it only takes you know I invite them to stuff that I've organized which I wouldn't have organized before and it only takes a few of those things for to get those like my friend Chris I hadn't spoken to him basically in six or seven years and he was my best mate at school and you know now I see him once at least every two weeks and we play golf and all this kind of stuff so like my relationships are a hundred times better outside of, of AA and then within AA again because I started in on Zoom I found it a bit harder to to start with but definitely since I've you know got a bit of confidence back and also at more physical meetings in in London and doing more stuff like this service where you know you're at the same time same place with other people is great because you've got you're actually doing something that you have a shared interest in and you know I there's a couple of friends maybe from university who I've caught up with and you know you chat about who they're dating and how their work is and you can only have that conversation so many times before like actually realize you don't have tons in common anymore whereas in AA like you've got a lot in common with with people whether that's you know what the journey that you're going through mostly to do with that or you know service and, and activities that you're doing on a regular basis and building relationships around that so but in all senses I feel like I've got stronger more authentic relationships with with people than I did have before what about you yeah no I totally agree I think it's it's that age-old thing of like vulnerability breeds connection and I think that's something that we learn in AA is to like be vulnerable and I mean I've told I'm not sure I've told this story on this podcast before but like I at the beginning of lockdown met this woman called Jackie in the park and she had like I mean the dog park is where I like meet people all the time but Jackie and I like got chatting and you know after a few days like we ended up just meeting in the park almost every day and we got chatting about the fact that I was doing this course at my church and that I was like just about to start therapy and I think because I kind of like opened the conversation into this kind of more vulnerable honest open space she then felt like she was able to do the same and we just became super close and our dogs became really good friends and we literally walked together almost every day for like a year and it was amazing and you know we we she then moved out of London and like I go and visit with my dog and like she's had a baby and like yeah it's it's just like a beautiful friendship and then I think you know with the AA friends it's it's this solid foundation of something in common that just makes you feel close to people straight away because you have this huge thing that's the same like 
you know, they talk about our thinking being the same. And that's one of the first things that I found in meetings in the early days is that even though I didn't necessarily drink like everyone, I thought like everyone. And to have those thinking patterns be the same and to be able to say to somebody like, I'm going through this, I feel like I'm going mad, I'm overthinking this, blah, 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 blah. And for them to be like, I get it, like I really get it. And to know that they actually do, because I feel like oftentimes people or friends that I have outside of recovery don't necessarily understand that. And I mean, it means that like, I kind of have learned to have different friends for different things. And like, I can be a different friend to different people in different ways. And then one thing that's been really lovely with some of my outside of recovery friends is that I've been able to support them through things using the principles of recovery, and to kind of like, you know, make suggestions or whatever. And I think it really helps me be a better listener because it's taught me to do that and it also helps me to rather than like telling somebody what to do like AA teaches us to like talk about our experience make potential suggestions but then not be tied to the fact that the other person takes them on and being that kind of friend to my other friends has been really really great and means that they now really feel comfortable coming to me with things and yeah it's it's just formed beautiful friendships but then again like like you said there are some friendships where I've realized like we were just drinking friends or we didn't really have that much in common and those friendships have kind of more naturally fallen away because I also feel less of a need to like hang on to those friendships these days yeah and I mean that kind of like makes me think about like there are things that we lose in recovery right like we gain a lot but there are things that we lose what's your experience of that been what sort of things do you feel like you've let go of or or feel like you've left behind? I think, like you said, I've definitely gained more than I've lost. Like, occasionally, this I, this, this probably sounds bad on here, but, like, there was times, you know, at, like, Blasphemy Festival where, like, it was an amazing, like, night, day and night and drinking and partying, and, like, there was only, like, 2% of my drinking times which were, like, fun like, like that, but to... Uh, like there's a little part of me which is sad that that w- won't be the experience again but then I've also gone to music events and just had an amazing time now when I'm sober and just really really enjoyed them and there's a little part of me which kind of like has said you know goodbye to like a lot of that stuff and and, and I don't feel like I miss it or I want it it's just a different period of of my life and like you said you know some friends have gone with that and other than that I don't really feel like I feel like I've gained so much you know I really don't feel any sense of loss whatsoever I think this, the only scary thing that you go through in the first year is like the response you know you have you realize that it's your responsibility and no one else's responsibility to change that so the biggest thing you lose is the ability to blame any honestly the biggest thing I've lost is the ability to blame anything else for anyone um if any anyone else for anything and that took a long time to really understand because most people hold on to some blaming for someone for something or you know why like a good example is you know I'm not getting promoted in my job oh it's like my boss's fault or it's like my company's fault or like it's this other person who got promotion over me over me's fault and like I've losing the ability to AA's really made me not blame literally not blame anyone else for anything and and to take 100% control and you know if I'm not getting where I want to and something then you know that's on me and I'm in control of it and I can I have the power to change it but that was a huge adjustment for me to actually 
you know understand that i am i do have control over my own destiny and and losing any ability to blame anyone is is a long process but the other side of it is 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 brilliant because then you realize you can change whatever you want to change you just have to take the action and that's honestly probably the biggest the biggest the biggest loss even though it it sounds you know it's not something you necessarily want to to have in the first place but yeah I it's funny you talk about control I feel like the biggest thing that I lost was the illusion of control and like you know I thought if I if I kind of worked hard enough and was strong enough that I would be able to control everything and if I could just predict what was going to happen I could then control everything and you know I I realized through my recovery and I'm still you know working on it that okay, I do have control over my choices and my actions, but I don't have control over anything else. Like, I don't have control over, you know, I can put the work in, but then the actual outcome isn't up to me. I can, you know, support somebody, but then what choice they make is is up to them. And I can make my needs known, but like whether someone delivers on that or not is up to them. Like, I, I had to let go of the illusion that control was something that I wanted and needed. And this idea that being in control made me strong and not being in control made me weak. And yeah, just kind of my ideas of what a strong person was made, was completely changed. And then I think also in a sense, I kind of lost the person that I was because I had so many ideas of who I was when I was drinking. Like, you know, I'm an extrovert and I like being the center of attention and I, you know, all of these things. And then when I got sober and you know it's 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 been a slow realization like it wasn't something that happened straight away but I realized I'm actually an introvert like I recharge by being by myself I don't recharge by being around people I mean I recharge by being by myself I can spend time around people and enjoy it but I then need to come away and spend time by myself and you know realizing that when I was drinking I was not the moral person that I thought I was I had to let go of that idea that I was this like I don't know like really moral person and realize actually it was my behavior that dictated who I was and I was not behaving like a moral person and you know sometimes people talk about like I got myself back and I don't necessarily feel like that I feel like I haven't gotten back any person that I was I feel like I've become the person that I wanted to be and kind of got closer to my ideal self I guess and kind of giving up again the illusion of perfection that like it's possible for me to achieve perfection because like nobody's perfect and nobody's going to be perfect you know and to kind of stop striving for that yeah yeah it's just about like just taking like responsibility for your own like happiness basically it is what it was for me for me like if I'm not happy like I can do so I can do something about that whether that's in a moment, in a day, in a week, like in a month, <laughs> like if I'm not happy, like I can take action to change that. And, you know, that for me was just a massive realisation that I don't always get perfect now, but, you know, certainly stops me stewing in thoughts about how everything could be or should be different, you know. Next question. How do I know I'm really an alcoholic? What a question. Oh, my goodness. I mean, honestly, I think it's different for everybody. I will say that when I first came in, there was a huge part of me that questioned if I was an alcoholic because, and I mean, we've shared about it on this podcast all the time. Like I had this idea that an alcoholic was somebody who drank every day or somebody who drank in the morning. And I I didn't do that. So I didn't think I was. And 
you know, for me, being an alcoholic looks like drinking to escape. It looks like never being able to have one. It looks like trying to stop and never being able to stay stopped. It looks like acting in a way that isn't the person I want to be when I drink. It looks like waking up with fear and anxiety every morning after I drank and towards the end of my drinking every morning whether I drank or not and kind of living my life in fear of everything and everyone and just being ashamed of the person that I was and like genuinely not being able to look myself in the mirror and think that I loved myself or I even liked myself and I mean what I would say to anyone wondering if they're an alcoholic is you know you've got you've got to give yourself a chance to feel it and I would say go to at least like five or six meetings before deciding it's not for you because you know if you go to one meeting it just might not be the right meeting and like there's so many different meetings and so many different formats and stuff that you can try and I think it's just worth hearing a few people's stories before you you decide if you are or not and potentially doing a bit of the reading which was helpful for me as well like I read so much of the 12 and 12 in the big book and was like oh my goodness this is me even if my drinking wasn't like that my thinking was what about you mm. For me, a lot of the stuff that you said, do you think it's a spec? Do you think addiction is like a spectrum, or do you think it's black and white? Because like you have to define yourself as an alcoholic or not, or, or not an alcoholic, you know. And to to define yourself as an alcoholic is, you know, to be successful in AA, you need to define yourself as an alcoholic. But what's your view on you know, whether people think they might be on the edges of it, or they might be there sometimes and not other times? I feel like the spectrum, there is a spectrum, but the spectrum is in terms of the yet that they talk about. So I think there's a spectrum in terms of what point of your alcoholism do you come into AA? So like, there's a section that I would, in the big book that I would recommend everyone reads, which is they stopped in time. And it talks about stopping before it got to the point that you know you your life was falling apart and you'd lost everything and da, 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 da. and that was definitely my experience I hadn't lost that much by the time I chose to come in so I think the spectrum is like there are people who stop before they start to lose everything there are people who stop before their life starts to fall apart there are people who you know end up homeless on the street or in prison or whatever and I think that's where the spectrum lies is like not whether you're a lesser alcoholic or more of an alcoholic I think if you're an alcoholic you're an alcoholic but I think it's just the degree to which you kind of had alcoholism take completely take over your life and what you what you lost before you came in I think what do you reckon yeah I agree I actually so I was listening to something the other day which was saying about you know compound interest isn't just a financial thing it's like friendships are compound interest they you know slowly progress over time and then or relationship and then all of a sudden you're like you know all in and I feel like my journey with addiction was kind of like that it was like my drinking was just slowly progressed over time and then it just started to accelerate more and more and that's that you know spectrum that you're talking about but it's when it go when it starts to when it starts to you know peak and go up and go off the end like it goes quickly and it goes and it goes hard um, for a lot of for a lot of people but but that can take one year for some people it can take 15 years for, for other people and you know coming into AA and admitting your alcoholism is stopping that spectrum you know stark in its in its tracks and you or I have built over time 
defense mechanisms to say you know to, to justify my drinking it's the way I socialize or you know it's just casual or it's only on Wednesdays and I don't drink with my parents it's like and you know these stories that I've built up over time have built allowed me to defend my actions in my own head that you know my drinking is is fine and it, it is fine in your head until it's not and then that's where for me you know it all kind of fell down but I feel kind of grateful in a way now that it like came all at once and it was quite you know a bad couple of months in the end but I feel grateful that I almost had a bad situation to let it bounce off and and then come straight into AA with you know say it's like a pink cloud it's like I came today and I was like oh my god how was I not here sooner and that but, but that's not everyone's experience and some people take a bit longer but yeah like you said I think it's just about going to five or six meetings if you identify with a lot of the stuff then you know that's great and just keep going like you don't have to call yourself an alcoholic on that day unless you want to and own you know only when you want to will you define yourself as that but then that will allow you to get all the benefit from from AA and and yeah it, it really is down to different people in different situations for me it was quite quick and and hard but like I didn't know anyone in AA before that. I didn't know anything about AA. I had preconceptions about AA and all the same as everyone else had. There's so much fear going to my first meeting and actually, you know, I needed to have a big crash and rock bottom to to be able to change how I viewed myself in my head. Complete 180. Not an alcoholic to, yes, I'm probably an alcoholic. And that is, that you know, that 180 for me it was just very very quick but we're a stubborn bunch so usually people have to find their own journey I, I think on it yeah it's it, that really makes me think actually about like how my family my dad in particular actually connected or like understood my sobriety at the beginning like I remember him saying like yeah okay you're an alcoholic but you're not like those alcoholics like you're not that kind of alcoholic or like your alcoholism wasn't as bad as that or blah 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 blah. and kind of trying to explain to him that like it's not about how bad it got I'm still an alcoholic there's not like you know an alcoholics and alcoholics and alcoholic yeah it was really interesting and then my friends as well like I had so many so many of my friends being like but you don't even really drink that much like you're quite a charming drunk like are you really an alcoholic what did you have like experiences like that of like telling friends and family and like did you feel like you had to explain it to them? I think my parents didn't understand, like, addiction. And to be honest, learning more about addiction, like, very few people understand it. And it's very misunderstood in the NHS, in most health systems. And so, like, I don't, I, I don't, I didn't, I had a stigma against it for so, you know, for a long time. And I would have, you know, said, oh, i that's not me I don't drink on park benches etc etc I think that yeah friends I've kind of become more confident in in over time and I think definitely the like move to everyone focusing a lot on their mental health especially with COVID has been you know good but a lot of people don't ask that many questions you know they just kind of no one actually cares that much (laughs) and I think that was the big thing for me was like okay like it the first couple of people I told I was thinking about it for ages and a very self-centered approach to it and you know they're like oh right okay (laughs) and then they get on with their lives as as well and I think that for me was you know just a realization it's like you just I don't like the phrase like you're just 
just just an alcoholic like I think being an alcoholic and being an addict to me a really powerful and and you know amazing thing and recovery is that but people have their own things in their life that they're getting on with and you know your addiction especially now you're out of it and you're not causing problems anymore goes you you realistically you go lower down on their worry worrying less than and they they kind of just want to move on with their lives that's my experience anyway yeah totally I did have a really lovely experience actually just before Christmas where I went to a friend's like house party and I was sat with a group of my really old friends and my friend Mike to be fair he was quite drunk when he was having this conversation with me but he was like I just want you to know that like I'm really impressed and like I'm really proud of you and like like how long has it been now and at the time I was like oh it's been like you know four and a half years or whatever and yeah like that was really touching you know and like every now and again somebody will say something like like how long has it been or I'll be like oh it's almost five years and they're like oh that's amazing and they don't necessarily have to understand to like appreciate that it's a good thing and you know I've had so many people to be honest with my kind of relationship with my faith as well just be like I can see the light behind your eyes like I can see that you you've changed as a person and yeah that's been amazing yeah I can I can imagine that and I think now it's just you you get to some people you know don't mind telling other people some people shout about it and it's like some people don't say anything it's just where you end up and I think you just everyone just kind of finds their own journey but like you you know friends have said along the way you know really well done like that is amazing I can do that blah 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 and every time a close friend says something like that like then you get a bit more confidence in it and you know it just reinforces it so yeah but to know if you're really alcoholic go to a meeting and talk to other alcoholics like don't just go to a meeting but like talk to people about it and you know like we said about fellowship like talk to people after the meeting talk to people before the meeting like that's that's how you know really or that's how I knew that's how I figured it out yeah I think that's all we've got time for today but we'll do another question question time potentially with us potentially with some of the other hosts in a few weeks what's something you're grateful for today I am grateful for went to a Roman villa this morning and looked at all the mosaic floors it's called Fishbourne Palace and that's like the other people there are basically like kids and families and I'm like this is like the mosaic floor is literally like a ridiculous work of art it's been under the ground for nearly 2000 years the field's been plowed so there's about 20 mosaic floors there of, of rooms and plows just gone through straight through the middle in, in the medieval times and just cleaned out the whole thing and then they found it because they were digging up um, the ground for like a water trench and it's literally a palace as big as the biggest Roman palaces in Rome and it's just been there for 2,000 years and no one's even even seen it and like just grateful to be like going to somewhere like that on a Saturday morning appreciating it and just stuff which I feel like I haven't experienced when I was drinking which now I just make sure I make the most of and got money to not have to skimp by at the end of the month and you know go to places that actually aren't necessarily cheap and pay the 10% gift aid and feel like I've had a good day and um yeah just grateful for like having my weekends back and, and enjoying my time at my at my weekends so yeah what about you I am grateful for being able to make choices for my health like you know when I was drinking if I was ill it wouldn't stop me from like going out and getting drunk and then I would get so much more ill and then my illness would last so much longer and like you know, I'm not feeling 100% right now. And 
I am really taking it easy, like, and I'm able to like look after myself and actually make choices that are going to mean that I won't be ill for as long. Like I'm actually, I know how to take care of myself today. And also being at home means I have the opportunity to like go to as many Zoom meetings as I like, which I have been doing and that's been really nice. All right, well, thank you everyone and Jack for joining us. We will be back next week with a speaker and a topic. Please do like and subscribe. If you have any questions or feedback about what you've heard today, we would love to hear from you. Send us a message on Instagram at Young and Sober Podcast or email us at youngandsober at outlook.com. That's it for another episode. We are young and sober.